Chapter 28 of Among the Great Masters of the Drama. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Catherine Phipps. Among the Great Masters of the Drama by Walter Rawlins. Henry Irving and Ellen Terry. I don't know that I remember having seen a greater performance by any actor, not even excepting Macready's Varna. It is wonderful. John Gilbert on Irving's Louis XI. She is as near absolute perfection as any one can be. Sarah Bernhardt on Ellen Terry. W.G. Willis's beautiful version of Goldsmith's Vicar of Wakefield was first produced at the Court Theatre on March 30th 1878. The play achieved instant success, Hermann Wiesen acting Dr. Primrose admirably, and Ellen Terry, for whom the part had been written, winning a complete triumph as Olivia. Miss Terry has declared that it was her popularity in this part which led Mr. Irving to engage her as leading lady for his company at the Lyceum Theatre, of which he became manager at that time. However this may be, the fact remains that in December of the same year that saw the production of Olivia, Ellen Terry made her first appearance before a Lyceum audience playing Ophelia to the Hamlet of Henry Irving, thus beginning the remarkable series of dramatic successes with which the world of theatre-goers is familiar. About seven years after the initial presentation of Olivia, it was most successfully revived at the Lyceum, with Ellen Terry in her original part, Irving as Dr. Primrose, and William Terrace as Squire Thornhill. Clement Scott, the well-known critic, wrote of the revival. For seven years, the Olivia of Miss Ellen Terry has been laid up in lavender, and the picture of a loving and lovable woman, with all her waywardness, trust, disappointment, and anguish is presented to us with an added sweetness and a deepening colour. The artist evidently has not put this admirable study of a true woman wholly out of her mind. She has not played the part for a long time on the stage, but she must often have thought of it. New ideas, fresh suggestions, innumerable delicate touches, never lost on the observant spectator, have been brought to bear on the new Olivia who stands out as one of the most striking personations, as fine in perspective as in outline, as tender in thought as it is true in sentiment, that the modern stage has seen. In the first act of the play, Miss Ellen Terry has little more to do than strike the keynote of the poem. She has to show how Olivia is the fairest of the old vicar's flock the loveliest and most winsome of his many children, the loved companion of her brothers and sisters, her father's idol. But for all that, simple parson's daughter as she is, inexperienced in the world and its ways, she already shows how strong and absolute is the affectionate nature that is in her. She loves the young squire, not because he has a fine coat and winning manners, not because he is above her in social station, but because her nature leans towards someone who appears stronger in character and less dependent on love than herself. We come to the second scene. Love, the master, has worked havoc in Olivia's heart. Gradually, but very delicately, Miss Terry shows how her father is forgotten for the sake of her lover. She hates Birchill because he dares to doubt the man she loves. 
She defends her Thornhill with a woman's desperation and a woman's unreason. He may have deceived other women, but he loves me. That is her argument, and it is urged with brilliant petulance. The second scene with Thornhill brings out some very subtle suggestions. It is as excellently played by Mr. Terrace as by Miss Terry. Both are goaded on by destiny. For a moment she would hold back, and so would he. She cannot forget her father, nor he his honour. The man is not wholly reckless yet. There is a pause, but it is momentary. Selfishness prevails. The strong man conquers not the weak, but the loving woman. And once she has given her promise, we know that she will not turn back. Then comes that exquisite scene when, at the twilight hour, Olivia distributes her little presents to the loved ones before she steals away from home to join the lover of her future life. Miss Terry's fine power of absolutely identifying herself with the situation, the real tears that course down her cheeks, the struggle to repress as much as to express, make this one of the most pathetic moments. It is, however, in the third act that Miss Terry's acting has most visibly improved. She has here emphasised the contrast between the happy married woman and the heartbroken, despairing dupe. The actress begins the scene with an access of gaiety. If Thornhill's love had grown more cold, hers has gained in force and impetuosity. Her object now is to retain her lover by her side. Her short life with him has intensified her affection. She coquettes with him. She hangs close to his neck. She laughs and is merry. Suddenly, and without warning, comes the storm which is to wreck her life. Her lover tells her that he has deceived her. She is not his wife. The announcement at first stuns her. She cannot believe or understand. She beats her brains to get at the truth. The realization of her situation is awful. Father, mother, home, friends, contempt, humiliation crowd before her eyes like ghastly spectres. The love has suddenly changed to savage hate, and as Thornhill advances to comfort her, she strikes him on the breast, and in that one word, devil, is summed up the unspeakable horror that afflicts her soul. But as yet, the act is not nearly over. The most beautiful passages of it have yet to come, when her father returns to rescue the lamb that is on the road. Never before, to our recollection on the stage, has woman's grief been depicted with such infinite truth. Olivia has been beaten and sorely bruised, but in her father's arms she is safe. She feels she is forgiven and at rest. Such acting as is contained in the Olivia of Ellen Terry, as fine in conception as it is impressive in effect, is seen very rarely on the stage of any country. Unquestionably also, the play is made doubly interesting by the reading of the vicar, given by Mr. Henry Irving, a performance more carefully restrained and modulated, a study more innocent of trick and less disfigured by characteristics of marked style and individuality than anything he has attempted before. Mr. Irving's vicar is a dignified, resigned and most pathetic figure, who lingers on the mind long after the theatre is quitted. The best idea that came into the actor's mind and, in effect, the finest moment of his acting was in the scene where the vicar comes to rescue his daughter. For a moment, troubled and travel-stained as he is, he breaks away from her 
and remembers that he has a duty to perform. He loves the child surpassingly well, but he is her father, and she has erred. He has to summon up all his courage for a homily on her lost sense of duty. He nerves himself for what he conceives to be necessary, and begins with tears starting in his eyes to tell Olivia of her grievous fault. But the old man breaks down over the effort of forced calm. The strain is too much for him. All at once he melts. He casts aside the manner of the priest, and calling Olivia to his arms, becomes her loving father once more. The effect of this was instantaneous. The house was astonished and delighted. As regards acting, it was a moment of true inspiration, a masterpiece of invention. End of chapter 28